Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 54th program in this series. In this program, I'm in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. And in the previous message, I was in the first part of John, chapter 10. That was the end of a conversation that Jesus was having with the people after he had healed the man who was born blind. And in this conversation, he spoke of himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd for the people. And he explained that there were people who he considered to be his sheep. And these were the people who believed him, who acknowledged that what he had to say was true. This was the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And in this message, I'm going to proceed into verse 22. In verse 22, it states, Now it was the Feast of Dedication, in Jerusalem. This was a way of John expressing a period of time. John expresses that a period of time has passed between the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Dedication. We have a few months. So Jesus departed from Jerusalem after the first part of John chapter 10, and now he would have returned. He returned in order to participate in the Feast of Dedication. Now, there is no law in the Law of Moses that requires anyone to observe or participate in anything related to the Feast of Dedication. This was something that was established by the people much later. This was a new festival. This was something that was established about 200 years before Jesus was conducting his ministry. So this was a new festival. This was not related to the Mosaic Law. Jesus was not required to be there according to the law. No one was required to be there according to the law or participate in anything related to the festival of dedication. This is also known as Hanukkah. And while there are a lot of people throughout the world, many Jews for hundreds of years, while many people have placed great emphasis on the festivities related to Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, there is absolutely nothing in the law whatsoever that encourages anyone to participate in this because the law was written hundreds and hundreds of years before This festival was established. Now, it does have some profound historical significance. I did a set of programs on the festival of dedication, the festival of Hanukkah. I did record some programs in order to describe the history with regards to what took place and how the people responded to the events that were happening at that time and how God participated in the things related to 
the events of Hanukkah, that there were miracles that God provided for the people during this time. And so I do believe that this is something that we should remember, that we should definitely understand, that we should know about. This was also the time period when baptism was instituted. It was instituted as the means by which a Gentile would be converted to Judaism. And I, of course, explained this in the series that I produced on the subject of baptism. So there is a lot of history associated with the Feast of Dedication with regards to Hanukkah. There's a lot of history associated with that, and there are a lot of cultural issues that come from those events and from the ways that people established life after the Maccabean Wars. So Jesus is in Jerusalem during this festival, and this is expressed again in John chapter 10, verse 22, where it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, you got to think about what's happening here. Jesus is in Jerusalem. He is walking about in the temple, in an area referred to as Solomon's Porch. There is no indication that he is talking to anyone. There is no indication that he is causing any disruptions. It appears, according to verse 23, that Jesus is just walking about and enjoying the temple and the festivities and the people who are there. And then in verse 24, it says, Then the Jews, the Jews who were there in the temple with him, they surrounded him. They surrounded him. And they said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? This is a way of them saying, we are in doubt, and it's all your fault. You are the problem here. There are some things that we're not so sure about, we have some doubts about, and it's all on you. You are the problem. You are the one who is keeping us in this state of uncertainty If you are the Christ or the Messiah, if that's who you are, then tell us and tell us plainly and tell us now. We have you surrounded. You answer this question. That's what's going on. That's the experience that Jesus gets to have while he's there at the temple. These people are quite aggressive. They're quite determined. And so what does Jesus say in verse 25? Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. What he says in response to their question, he says, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to answer your question. I have already answered this question. I have already given you the answer, I have already told you that I am the Messiah or I am not the Messiah. I have already spoken about this. That's what he says. 
Now, you may wonder, I mean, there he is, he's in the temple, he gets surrounded, he obviously has an audience. There are some people who are apparently willing to listen to what he has to say, and they ask him a question, they make it easy, say, just answer this question, help us out, we're in doubt. Give us an answer and give us a clear and plain answer, something simple for us to understand. Just tell us that you're the Messiah. And he says, no. (laughs) That's effectively what he says. He says, no, I'm not going to answer your question. No, I'm not going to tell you. Because this is something that I've already told you about. So, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to have this kind of conversation. Not with you. That's what he says. And that is very profound when you consider that there were very few people who did believe in Jesus. And here was an opportunity that perhaps he might be able to get a new person who believes in him. But no, he just says, I am not talking to you about this. If you want to know something then you pay attention to the works that I do. That's what he said in verse 25. I told you, and you do not believe, the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. So don't ask me this question. Just pay attention to the works that I do. The works that I have done and the works that I will continue to do, they will testify of the answer to that question. And so you pay attention to the things that I am doing. You pay attention to the things that I have done. You come up with an answer to your question according to what I have done, the works I have done, the miracles I have done. You answer that question for yourselves according to my works. That's what he says. He says, no, I'm not going to answer this question. You answer this question. They said, well, we're in doubt. We're uncertain. We don't really know for sure. And Jesus effectively tells them that's not his problem. That's not his issue. That's not his concern. He is not there to speak to them in a way that they will feel as though they have absolute certainty with regards to the truth. In other words, Jesus is not going to prove to them, to their satisfaction, that he is the Messiah. He has already done enough to his satisfaction. And so if it's not to their satisfaction, then that's going to be their problem. If they are going to be in doubt, it's because they are the ones who have decided that they are going to be in doubt because he has already provided more than enough, more than enough evidence to show that the probability of him being the Messiah is exceptionally high, and they should have no doubt whatsoever. The problem is not whether or not he tells them. That's not the problem. The problem is that they don't believe what he has told them. That's the problem. 
And so it doesn't matter if he answers the question or not. It doesn't matter what he says. They have already taken a position that they do not believe him. So why are they asking him this? Obviously, they are not asking this question out of sincerity. They are asking this question in order to provoke a conflict. That's what they're doing. They don't really want to know the answer to this. They want him to respond so that they can provoke a conflict through his response. If they really wanted to know the truth, the truth has been presented to them in abundance. But they are the ones who have decided that they will remain in doubt. So when they said to him, how long, in verse 24, how long do you keep us in doubt? He says, in effect, well, I guess I'm going to keep you in doubt a little longer. Because I'm not the one who's keeping you in doubt. It's not me. It's not my fault. It's not because I have failed to find a way to tell you the gospel. It's not because of any of that. It's because you have decided not to believe the truth. Don't put this on Jesus. You take responsibility for what you believe and for what you don't believe. You are responsible for your beliefs. You are responsible for your decisions. You are responsible for your own doubts. If you have doubts, that's because of you. That's not because of Jesus. So Jesus is surrounded by a bunch of people who don't believe him. They just don't. And they are asking him to speak, and he simply refuses to continue to talk to people who don't believe him. What is there to say? He does say a few things, but he doesn't answer the question because he has already answered that. So he goes on and he says in verse 26, But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He said this in the beginning of John chapter 10. This was a few months prior during the Feast of Tabernacles. They don't believe what he has to say and that is why they are not his sheep. If they were his sheep, they would believe what he has to say. And so this is not about God deciding that there will be some people who will be his sheep and other people will not be his sheep. It's not about him deciding this on an individual basis where he has decreed, he has ordered, he has established, he has created, he has defined that there are certain people who are his and other people who are not. He has defined a requirement, a requirement with regards to believing the truth. And through establishing the criteria, the requirement, that you must believe the truth of what I'm saying. In that way, there is a selection of people. 
But the selection is not based on certain individuals. The selection is based on who is willing to believe the truth. And so that becomes the division. The division between the lost and the saved. The division between those who believe in Jesus and those who don't. The division between those who are his sheep and those who are not. This division is made by people deciding if they are going to believe the truth or if they are not going to believe the truth. Now, even if a person believes in truth, because when a person rejects the truth, they may still recognize that it is the truth. They are simply deciding that they will not believe, that they will not make their decisions, that they will not govern their lives with that particular truth. And the main reason why was because people did not want to experience the consequences of believing the truth. In this case, it was really simple. If a person confessed that Jesus was the Messiah, if they stated that they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they would experience consequences. The Pharisees would declare that these people are to be cast out from the synagogue. They cannot participate in the things of the synagogue, may not be able to participate in the things of the temple because they believe or they assert that there is something about Jesus that is true. And so the sheep of Jesus, those who fit in the category of being the sheep, those who are of the flock of God, those are the people who are willing to believe the truth and are willing to accept any consequences that may result from believing the truth. The others can very well be some people who totally reject the truth. They say that that is not true. Or it could very well be people who know that it is true, but they are going to say that it is not, and they will not embrace that, and they will not live their lives according to the truth because they are more concerned about the consequences that they might have to endure if they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So when Jesus says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. He's talking about the people who will believe what he has to say. Those are the ones who hear his voice. Those are the ones who are his sheep. Clearly, there are people who have surrounded Jesus and they are listening to his voice and they are going to respond to what he has to say. There's a difference between listening to his voice from the perspective of a person who doesn't want to embrace Jesus as the Messiah and listening to his voice from the perspective of a person who does believe that he's the Messiah. It's because of the individual. When the individual chooses to believe the truth, then Jesus speaks to them as his people, the people of truth. So again, going back up to verse 26, Jesus said, But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out 
of my hand. So he tells them that he knows that they don't believe him. He tells them that he knows that they are not going to follow him. And so he's not interested in talking to them. He's not interested in answering their question, in having this kind of conversation with them. For him, it has no purpose. It has no value. Now, for those who will believe him, he will give them eternal life and they shall never perish. So who are the sheep of Jesus? They are the people who believe what he has to say. The sheep are the people who will hear his voice, who will believe what he has to say, will follow him in the individual and personal way that he leads them and guides them, and he will give them eternal life. He will give them salvation. Now, we know that eternal life has to do with the restoration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will dwell within a person who believes in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will remain within that person because there is no sin left unforgiven that would cause the Holy Spirit to depart from the individual. And so when a person hears the gospel, understands enough of the gospel, and they surrender to their God according to the truth of what Jesus has done for them, then God will make the decision to impute to them the Holy Spirit. God will send the Holy Spirit to dwell within the individual. This is the Spirit of God. In effect, God will dwell within the person. Another way to describe this is to say that Jesus will be in your heart. You will be made spiritually alive. You will have eternal life. You will be made into a new creation. You will become a child of God. This is part of the package of becoming one of his sheep. That's what he was referring to. That he was there in order to tell the truth. There were people who were beginning to believe the truth. He would save most all of them. He would give them eternal life. They would be recognized as children of God. They would be the sheep of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus would shepherd them, would guide them, would lead them, would feed them. He would do all those things that he described in the first part of John chapter 10 when he was there a few months earlier during the Feast of Tabernacles. If you were to go back and study this carefully, you'll find in verse 3 that the sheep are those who hear his voice. He calls out to them by name. This is an individual relationship. In verse 4, this is John chapter 10, verse 4, he goes before his sheep. He will lead. We just need to keep our eyes on him. In verse 4, they know his voice. We will grow to know the voice of God. This is part of the interactive relationship that's built over a period of time as we grow and mature in Christ Jesus. In verse 5, they don't follow others. They flee from them. They do not know the voice of others. 
they have a relationship with their shepherd. They have a relationship with Jesus, not with others. In verse 9, he stated that he would save them. He would provide them with pasture. He's going to save us. He's going to feed us. We will grow. In verse 10, that they might have life, referring to eternal life, that they might have life, have it abundantly, which means to the extent such that we would have no need for any more. It would be eternal. It would be fully abundant. It would be the full package of our God dwelling within us. In verse 11, he will give his life for them, describing the topic of forgiveness. In verse 14, he knows them, and they know him. This is what he's after. He's after a people who know him and who he knows because they want to be in this kind of relationship with him. But these people who have surrounded Jesus, that's not what they're about. That's not what they are there for. That is not why they are having this conversation with him. It's not about whether they doubt or don't doubt. It's not about not having adequate evidence or proof. It's about are you going to believe according to all that you have, which is more than enough, Or are you going to reject the truth because you're afraid of the consequences that you might have to endure if you believe the truth? Thank you for listening. This is the 54th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spoke about the conversation that Jesus was having with some of the Jews at the temple in John chapter 10, verses 22 to 28 the Jews were expressing their frustration that they had doubts, and they were blaming Jesus for their doubts, which was to suggest that Jesus did not provide them with enough evidence to meet their personal satisfaction with regards to the question of, is he the Messiah or not? His response to them was that he believed that he provided them with more than enough evidence through the works that he did that showed that he is the Messiah. And I will continue with this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you man.